This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. End of the show tonight. You will find out who's getting sent home on Commander's Survivor Week 17. Either Deron Payne or Cam Curl are getting kicked off the island. That means that Terry McLaurin will face one of those two in the finals in Week 18. So go vote. You've got a couple more minutes to vote right now. Facebook.com slash Grant and Danny. Now let's get to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app at BetQL.com. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities and talk to our guy, Jay Gruden. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Tedbert Automotive Group, Tedbert Ford and Chantilly at Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters, and Tedbert Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Tedbert for life, lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop at Tedbert.com. Jay, how was your new year? Oh, it was great. Happy new year, fellas. You too, buddy. Everything is good down here, man. Same to you, bro. Are you in Florida? I am in Florida, yep. Nice. Very good. Uh, let's start with the college games yesterday. There's a lot to cover with the commanders. We'll get there. But... Just curious, your thoughts. First, Michigan, Alabama. What would you think of the game? Well, Michigan is uh, pretty good um, in all phases. The quarterback's a gamer. He, he made plays in clutch situations, which you have to have to get to that level, to get to this position, and he did it. J.J. was impressive. and But the defense, the defensive line, secondary, I think they only gave up two plays over 20 yards. So hats off to Michigan. Harbaugh's got him going. What about you, Dub? What would you see? I, I, Jay, I, it's such a hard thing for me. I, I can never tell – at the college level, like what's real and what's not. I've seen guys put up video game type stats and then you know, never have much of a pro career. But I'd love for your thoughts on Washington, but I, I love Michael Penix. Yeah, Michael Penix is really just climbing the ladder as far as his NFL draft is concerned. I mean, he is clutch and he's accurate. He stands in the pocket. He delivers the ball in clutch situations, made some big-time throws. I mean, just right on the money. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, they're an exciting team. I, I don't know if defensively they can hold up against the power of Michigan football, but – uh, I tell you what, if you have Michael Penix on your team, that wide receiver is special. They're gonna they're gonna be right there with them. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny. We had it was at least two, if not three, draft experts on the show going back a month or six weeks ago. And at that time, we were starting to think Washington might be picking in the back end of the top ten. And I was talking about the possibility of whether it was Penix or Daniels or Bo Nix or whatever. And each of those draft experts, these are some of the guys that cover this year round and talked to people all around the league. They kept saying Penix was like an early second-round type quarterback. Now, as you said, he's playing his way up the board. But just, I know you haven't studied him like you would as a coach or an executive or anything, but when you hear that, what do you think? And is it crazy to think that maybe you could take that guy in the middle of the first round? 
Oh, no, it's not crazy at all. I mean, production matters, and playing in big games matters in these situations that he just doesn't blink and doesn't flinch. Uh, he's got some pretty good protection, but he, he's he's a gamer. He's accurate. He throws a ball on time. Um, he, he stands tall in the pocket. This guy is an interesting player. I think he's going to – you know, I think his combine and his uh, draft day workout will be critical for him. You know, how fast is he? What kind of escapability does he have? Because you don't really see him do that a whole lot. He doesn't have to. But you like to see what kind of athlete he is, and I think that'll be the telling tale on where he goes as far as late first or mid first or early first, depending on the athleticism that he displays on pro day combine. Two torn ACLs in the same knee is one of the red flags on him that everyone brings up. The other is his age. I want to get your thoughts on both of those things. You know, how much they would scare you away. He's been in college playing for six years, like 60 ish games. Same with Bo Nix, I think, by the way. But, um, He's like twenty. He'll be a twenty-four-year-old rookie, which is pretty unheard of. Do you care about that or the the two ACL tears? Uh, ACL tears are a little bit of a concern. That's why I think athletically, let's see what he does uh, at the pro day. What he runs? Uh, is he going to run the forty? Is he going to do any of those short shuttle type drills? You got to be able to move a little bit in the NFL. That's for sure. If he, you know, puts up poor numbers in that regard, then I think that'll hurt him a little bit. And he could go drop down to the second round because you have to be able to move in this day and age of pro football. We know he can throw the ball, but escapability is what makes quarterbacks move up the draft board. That's why Caleb Williams is going to be a top pick, and Drake May, he's a big physical guy that can run. Uh, those guys are shoe-ins, and, and Jaden Daniels, his athleticism is sick off the charts. A true drop-back passer, I think you got to be special as far as dropping the ball in buckets like Penix can do all that stuff, but you got to be able to move a little bit. Jay, let's go to Washington uh, this past weekend. I thought Sam Howe was actually okay, even pretty decent in the first half against a pretty good 49ers team. And then there was also a second half, I suppose. What would you see? Yeah, same. You know, they just they have trouble putting it together for uh, multiple drives. You know, they had a nice touchdown drive. He threw the nice inside stomp play to Terry. Uh, and then they, the back shoulder fade to Terry for the touchdown. But other than that, they're pretty stagnant offense. And guys aren't really getting open. And it's just in the running game is really – not a force, not a threat. So it's just uh, very hard for the Washington Commanders to manufacture drives because they don't do really anything good. Uh, they do everything okay. You know, they run the ball okay. They throw the ball okay. They get separation decently, but not consistently. So I don't know what you hang your hat on as a play caller. That's why it's so difficult for them to put points up on the board. You know, the last four games or six games, actually, their offense has been uh, just not good. I know Hal's second half with the two picks was ugly, but this was not a disaster, right? I mean, it could have gone really, really poorly, and it didn't necessarily. Remember, they were benching him. They didn't say it in these words, but the point was, like, they didn't possibly want to throw meat into the lion's den and have him go out as this broken player and, and ruin his confidence. It didn't really look like that. I mean, from that perspective, do you think Sam, Sam handled himself pretty well? I do. Sam's a competitor. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that Sam's going to go out and give you everything he's got, no matter what the circumstance. I mean, they told him he's benching, and then on Friday, hey, you're starter. We're just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit difficult for the mentality of the kid, but Sam can turn it on quickly. He's a competitor. He's going to scramble around and try to make some plays off schedule. He's going to try to do the best he can to get his team to win, and I think te- teammates really respect that. Unfortunately, the production doesn't match his mental and physical toughness you know they're just not they're just not producing it's not all on sam it's not all on the white it's not on the line it's just a combination of a lot of things that they're not doing very well right now fast forward five years into the future what's sam Howell doing 
Wow, that's a great question. I think uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there right now with similar type skill set that are doing pretty good. You know, Baker Mayfield was his first pick in the draft. I get it, but you know, they, they're similar type guys. They're competitive guys. Uh, you know, you want to look at Gardner Minshew. They're they're type of guys that, that win games for you. You just got to have a supporting cast around a kid. You know what I mean? Defensively, they're not playing good enough. Like I mentioned before, the running game is not good enough. They has to get some players around him. If he gets some players around him better defense and some uh, weapons uh, that are consistently uh, getting open in a running game that he can lean on, then he can, he can be a starting quarterback for sure. Jay, you were in this league for a long time at every level. You played obviously at a very high level as well. What is, I'm going to go one to 10 scale, 10 being your spidey senses are off the charts. One being not at all. And when I say spidey senses, I'm saying, Something weird's going on there that isn't what meets the eye. With the Jacoby Brissett hamstring injury after Ron goes to him, two weeks left in the season, and now Sam starts. What level of, of Jay Gruden's spidey senses that something weird behind the scenes happened and, and maybe we don't know all the details do you have? Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think of this question coming to my table here. I'd probably say five. I could see something happening uh, behind the scenes where they wanted Sam to play. But, you know, I think the reality is Jacoby is, hasn't had a whole lot of reps, and there's a good chance he did pull his hamstring a little bit in practice, you know, maybe scrambling away from some pass rush and scout team pass rush, who knows. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a wicked guess. Uh, I, I think they really did try to play Jacoby, and he probably did get hurt. So I'd say five. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened behind the scenes. I just think that that kind of stuff, happens in the league more than we think. Maybe not to that extent, obviously, but like the just, you know, feed them uh, whatever you need to. get, Hand them a bag out the window. They'll take it and run with it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know this. Like the, sometimes there's more than meets the eye. I just don't know if this is one of those situations. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? We can speculate all we want to, but the only people that know are the owners and uh, the head coach and the quarterback and the coordinator. So, who knows? I mean, it's been a tough year for everybody in that building. It's really a tough situation for everybody being with all the speculation going on. And it's good that they're still coming out and compete. You watch Sam try to compete, and Terry's still out there trying to, you know, win games for him. And the defense is doing the best they can. It's just not nothing really happening. But uh, they're they're trying their ass off. That's for sure. Jay and Jay Gruden with us here on, on G and D. These are obviously all NFL players, right? So there's a there's a baseline. You got to be the better than your average bear to, to get into the league. But relative to the rest of the league, how good is Jahan Dotson? You know, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. It's a good question. He's really not a big receiver. He's really uh, more of a slot guy. Um, I haven't really seen him do a whole lot in the slot that slot guys need to do to be really productive in that role, like a Puka or a Cooper Cup or those guys. I don't know if he's wired that way. Um, so I, I don't really know how you use him. I think uh, he's underused. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe he's just not really good in a slot. Maybe he's, he's just not fast enough to be outside and not big enough to really be an outside guy. So, uh, I, I don't know. I just I think he's been underused for sure, but maybe that's because he's not good enough to be what they think he should be or what we think he should be. I know they traded Sweat and Young, but it, it can't just be that. And, and they were already ranked 29th and 30th in a lot of categories when they traded those guys. What do you think went wrong on defense this year? I don't know. That's a great question because – Coming into the season, we all thought it was going to be a top-five defense personnel-wise. You know, we mentioned the four first-rounders on, on the front and, you know, the first-round linebacker, and they got Kendall Fuller for a good deal and Curl's a heck of a safety. So, 
you know, they had all the makings and all the talent there in the building for whatever reason. Uh, it just didn't work out. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's coaches putting them in the wrong position, guys doing their own thing, uh, not consistently getting pressure. I, I don't know. It's just definitely an underachieving group early in the season. Then they got rid of the two defensive ends, and, and then they were personnel stripped. So um, towards the beginning of the year is a big dis- – probably one of the more, more disappointing things in pro football when you think about – the outlook of that defense, everybody thought it was going to be a top five defense. And now it's bottom, bottom 30th, 30th, 31st, like you mentioned. So Jay, guys like us, we're sitting here in, in the media, we're watching games, consuming as much as we possibly can, but we'll just never know as much as someone like you or, you know, other guys that are in the trenches who really know this thing. But one of the axioms or one of the, my beliefs for so many years is the square peg and round hole thing. And, and here's where I'm going with this. So you had to deal with Josh Norman, right? He did one thing in Carolina, then a whole bunch of money got paid, and then it was like, thanks for being here. Now do something different than what got you paid. I feel like that's what they do all the time here, and it's a hallmark of regimes that don't really know what the right-handed know what the left hand is doing. My example here is Emmanuel Forbes was this great zone corner who was jumping routes and everything else, and they're like, yep, go cover A.J. Brown one-on-one. Seems like a bad recipe, and it feel, I feel like it happens all the time here. Yeah, that's, that does happen from time to time. You try to uh, You try to adjust your – you have the players adjust to your scheme instead of the other way around, adjust your scheme to your players. And I think a lot of coaches don't do a very good job of that. Uh, so if you're going to play a lot of man-to-man, then they should have drafted the kid from Oregon instead because he's a long guy that can really run. You know, if you want to play a lot of zone, then Forbes might be your guy. But Forbes is not a really big guy to really play a lot of zone and get his hands on receivers and disrupt plays. So, you know, I don't know really where he fits. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times a lot of coaches really – don't do a good job of adjusting their scheme to their players. They try to do it the other way around, and it fails. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. This is way back to Saturday night, okay, as it feels like it was two weeks ago. But the Lions-Cowboys game, where we had the confusion at the end of the game, who reported, who didn't, 68 versus 70. Video pretty clearly makes it look like 68 reported. I don't know why he wouldn't, by the way. It's only going to be the biggest, most memorable play of his career, perhaps. But he walks up to the ref. I guess he just asked him what he had for lunch. Didn't report. Uh, the referee's looking at 70, not 68. He announces that 70 reported. 70 swears he didn't say anything to him. I, I say all that to set up to you that it seems like the referee botched it. But w- what was your feel on that situation? And can you take us through? Dan Campbell said before the game, you meet with refs. You go over your trick plays and kind of how it's all going to work. Like how those meetings work as well. Yeah, that's exactly what happens when the referees come in pregame. You, you talk about the issues that the other team's doing. Maybe this guy's a big holder. They illegal contact on defense. This nickelback is is jamming people ten yards down the field. It's illegal, whatever it might be. And then, hey, if we got a special play, an onside kick, or uh, some kind of uh, trick play with a tackle eligible play, you, you explain how you're going to do it. And the referee says, no, that's not legal, so you don't call it. Or they says, okay, yes, we understand. And I'm sure the Lions did that. I mean. This is a play that uh, is going to win them the football game, and they held it at the perfect time and called it, and it worked perfectly, and, and, and the referees botched it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think that crew got suspended for the playoffs, and unfortunately it hurt Detroit's chances to get the number one seed and, and helped Dallas win the division possibly. Does that whole crew come into your office, or where does that meeting happen? Usually it's the main guy, the main ref, and uh, probably a side judge or something like that. So you, you talk about the issues. Uh, two or three of them come in, not the whole crew. And, you know, like how, how deep down the list do you go? Just like fake punt you might run by them, but yeah, something more yeah. traditional you wouldn't? Like how does that work? 
Yeah, mainly you go over uh, things that, uh, you know, he'll give you issues that they have or whatever, and then you talk about the issues with the other players are doing or what they're doing schematically. Like, you know, maybe it's some of their outside zones they're holding their their they're holding that's back based on your film study like pads. you're like man this yeah, corner oh, yeah. yeah he's handsy yeah for sure okay yeah exactly right so you you put it on there and and, and you kind of do some research on that referee crew and what they're kind of uh used to calling and what they're not calling and you just try to get a feel for you know how they're going to call a game and, and the issues that could come up but mainly if you have a couple special plays you're going to go over those make sure they're legal make sure they understand what you're doing what your intent is hopefully they don't tell the other team <laughs> but uh that's what you do where, do, where are you at on the, you know, the Dan Campbell go for two no matter what? Like, if they backed up another 20 yards somehow, I think he would have gone for two again. Where are you at on that? Yeah, I, I didn't agree with that. I thought once they got the penalty, um, they should have kicked it, gone on overtime and regrouped. Call a play from the eight-yard line to win the game or seven-and-a-half-yard line. That's a hell of a hell of a thing to put on your offensive coordinator. It's not easy to score from the seven-and-a-half-yard line with one play. There's a litany of things you can get defensively. You know, you get tight man-to-man, you cover zero, you get drop eight. There's a lot of issues that you have uh, calling that play. So I think from the eight, they should have definitely kicked it. Then they got the defensive offsides, and they tried to do it again. I mean, there's only so many plays you have in your game plan from the two-and-a-half-yard line. So I, I definitely would have kicked it and regrouped our football team and, and got the overtime and tried to get the win in overtime because they were playing pretty good. Yeah, he made life tough on his OC. You know who that OC is, Danny? Who's that? That's yeah, ben, that's Ben Johnson. Oh, it's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Jay, I talk so much about Ben Johnson. We now have an alert every time I say it. He's got name. a crush, Jay. Jesus. Well, <laughs> in fairness, in 2013, it, we would have had a Jay Gruden alert, okay? Yeah. I was talking a lot about Jay Gruden being the next guy coming to town. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear that episode, Grant. It was a lot of episodes. You were still in Cincy. You were too busy eating steak over at Morton's with Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Skyline chili. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were you're about to get paid. You weren't too interested in what old GP had to say. You were just getting ready to get a nice little contract. The first of a couple contracts. That's right. This wasn't the one in Indianapolis when they were uh, – Doing the look over here thing. Don't look at that over there. Look over here. This was a different contract, Jay. Yeah, I'll take it. Any way you get it, size of sign on a dotted line. Certainly. I love that. Uh, all right, a couple other NFL things. Steelers are starting uh, Mason the Rudolph Reindeer over Kenny Pickett here in Week 18. 30 points, two straight games. What do you make of that for Pickett? I mean, do you still think like you bring in an OC this offseason to be your head – excuse me, uh, to, to work under Tomlin as, as a uh, – you know, the, the new head of offense, and you tell them fix picket, or is this the end of the road already? I don't know what is going on over there. I know that this Mason Rudolph, Randolph Rudolph, he's done a heck of a job these last two weeks. I mean, and they've won two games in a row, and they've put up some gaudy numbers. So, yeah, you have to stay with them based on the fact that they've produced offensively, which they hadn't done the entire year, having over 400 yards one time, I think, before – uh, Rudolph gave him in there. So, yeah, I think you got to play the hot hand and then moving forward in the offseason. That'll be the decision, decision that team has to make. Are they going to address it to draft? Are they going to stick with Rudolph? Are they going to go back to pick it? I don't know what they're going to do, but I think I've been very impressed the way Mason has played these last two weeks. That's for sure. I definitely would stick with him. Jay, I want to ask you about the Ravens. All of a sudden, you look up, they're number two in points scored, number three in yards per play, in addition to a defense that's outstanding. This offense is unbelievable. I think they've scored north of 30 points in eight of their last 10 games. What are you seeing from them? And and I know a lot of Ravens fans are a little bit nervous because they were the number one seed a few years ago and lost, but this team's as good as anybody, if not better. 
That's because they're right tackle Morgan Moses. You know what I mean? No, they're mm-hmm. they're they can get you a lot of different ways. That's why they're so good on offense. They can go a game and not even hardly throw the ball to wideouts and hand the ball off. Their backs are very good. Um, their offensive line is powerful. Zeitler's a big right guard. Their center is outstanding. Uh, so they they can get you a lot of different ways. And now Lamar's got more experience dropping back and throwing it. He can hit you with the wideouts. Uh, Zay Flowers had a big game. Odell's had some catches. Uh, Bateman's made some plays. Uh, the tight end, this likely guy, I don't know who this guy is. He's been awesome uh, the last couple of weeks with uh, Andrews out. So they're just very balanced in what they do, and defenses don't know how to stop them. you got to worry about Lamar on every snap running the football, so you have to have a guy account for him. That lightens up the box for the running game. Uh, the play-action game has been sick. And then defensively, they're going to get the ball back. I mean, they, they just play great defense, great coverage. They force turnovers. Uh, so, yeah, they, they're just a, the most well-rounded team in pro football, and it's showing right now by the way they're playing. Isaiah Likely is huge. 6'4", 240, 23-year-old, fourth-round pick in 2022 out of Coastal Carolina, was a two-time all-sunbelt player. Jay Gruden with us here on Grant and Danny. Hey, real quick, you mentioned earlier that you liked the uh, play they drew up to Terry that got 42 yards to set up the touchdown. Conceptually, what did you see on that play? What did they do? That was the first time all season Howell's hit a receiver for 40-plus. Yeah, no, it was just a simple uh, concept. It's just, it's a big alert. Terry was at the number two spot in a three-by-one set. I think it was, might have been empty. I don't know, but he was running a stomp part, which was a, basically a slot fade. And if you get man-to-man, single-high safety, and pressed on Terry, he's the number one alert. If it's any kind of zone, you work your other players, uh, the inside uh, option route or the outside hitch route. So they got man-to-man, and, and Terry did a great job beating them, and Sam threw a perfect ball. Very simple concept. Jay, thank you as always, buddy. We'll talk next week. All right, guys. Thanks. Always good. That's Jay Gruden with us on Grant and Danny. On air and on the road, Jay Gruden is driven by the Tedbird Automotive Group, Tedbird Ford and Chantilly and Fairfax, your F-150 headquarters in Tedbird, Chevrolet and Sterling, home to Tedbird for life, lifetime vehicle coverage. See and shop at tedbird.com. This was that play we were talking about with Jay Gruden that netted a 40-plus yard gain, howled to a wide receiver, first time all season. Oh, he's going to take a deep shot. McLaurin gets loose. He's got it against the Amador Lenora. Big gainer for Scary Terry. Best design play of the week. Brought to you by Dream Design Construction. Contact Dream Design Construction for a free in-home consultation for your next remodeling project. They do it all from finished basements to complete home renovations. Again, it's dreamdesignconstruction.com. And that is our best design play of the week on GND. It is time to figure out who's getting sent home. Commander Survivor. No immunity today. Too late in the season for that. There will only be two players left after this vote. Someone's getting booted today. And then the final game on Sunday against Dallas to determine who the 2023 Commander Survivor is based on your voting as a fan base all season long. All right, and the final results are in. Terry McLaurin will be going for 1,000 yards this week. He'll be competing with Deron Payne. Cam Curl, you have been dismissed Wow, from Commander Survivor. Strong season by Cam Curl. Mm-hmm. Good showing for him. Almost cracked the finals for Podium, the first time. final three. But we kind of ended where you would expect, either Allen or Payne or McLaurin or some variation therein that we're going to be among the big three here. 
And as you said, Payne has not had nearly the statistical season, frankly, even the anecdotal probably season that he had last year in a contract year. But good football player who, more often than not, one of the best players every weekend on the field for Washington. Yeah, without a doubt. He hasn't had the the impact. I mean, there have been moments, right? Again, I, I hearken back to the to week two against Denver where there was a Duran Payne possession where he made all three plays and Denver had to punt. Like, that has happened. Not nearly often enough, I would say, but he, he certainly had some moments, and he's kind of not been the worst than any week, which is a, a great way to kind of stick around until the end. Let's get you a Caps power play. For the first time in 2024, the Capitals take to the ice tonight for game number 35, road game number 18. They are in the Steel City, taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins, their arch rivals. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh has the same number of points on the season as the Capitals. Mm -hmm. They are on a heater. They seem to do this. Now, the Caps have one game in hand, but this is pretty big uh, in this sense. I mean, as big as a early January game between a couple of middle of the division teams can be. But you could be four points in the clear over Pittsburgh with a game in hand after tonight. Or you could be two points behind them with a game in hand, meaning you got to win that game just to get even with them. So significant to not get leapfrogged in the division uh, for the Caps this evening against the Penguins. It's the usual suspects. It's Crosby, it's Malkin, it's Gensel, and, and all the loathsome, terrible people that I can't stand. But you mentioned it. Caps right now are outside the playoffs looking in with three teams, including the Devils, tied at 40 points. They've lost four straight, a couple of uh, shootout losses in, uh, mixed in there with a couple of loser points, but they need to get going and start playing some better hockey if they're going to get anywhere. Yeah, it's just been a different Penguins team lately. Winners of five of their last six. They're and so the, annoying. The lone loss came in overtime. So points in six straight since they got beat 7 nothing by the Maple Leafs back on December 16th. And in that stretch, they've got a 7 nothing win over the Islanders, a team that just beat the Capitals. But we'll have that game for you tonight right here on 106.7 The Fan. Next overtime with Linnell Willingham. So keep it right here. He will keep it live and local deeper into the evening for Darius and Ryan, Grant and Danny, saying so long. Happy New Year. Thank you again for checking us out today. We will be back at it at 2 o'clock tomorrow. And until then. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Ben Johnson alert. Thank you for coming. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 